You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. I think I need to ask myself that question every single day. Didn't the Lord give us a great day on Easter Sunday? It wasn't just awesome. We're just grateful. Thank you for everyone who was a part of it. Uh, and just one more reminder here, if you are wanting to get baptized today, it's not too late to have that conversation. Our care team is in the back of the auditorium. Uh, they're ready to talk with you, so if you want to, head on back uh, to have a conversation with someone. If you are getting baptized again today, we are really excited about that. And once the band starts closing our last song after I get through this morning, uh, you can head outside once the music starts to get ready and get changed. Uh, I'll be doing the same thing. I had to go out there and baptize some folks, and I can't wait. I think it's the most important thing we do, and I can't wait. And I, absolutely, and I'm excited about it. You can clap for that. I, I really do think that. I'm glad we're excited. I'm glad we're excited, if, truly. I use like the old preacher line, you can clap for that. I can't believe I just said that, sorry, but you can clap for that. Let's pray and then we'll jump into our new series called My Easter Story, where we're looking at different encounters and different stories post-Easter in the Bible uh, that people had and how they responded to the empty tomb. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. I ask how we found faithful this morning in preaching it. Lord, that you will give us ears to hear, that you will give us eyes to see, that you will open our minds to understand and to know who you are, most importantly and also what you've done for us. I ask you to keep the enemy out of this place, out of our city. We know the scriptures tell us that the devil is a lion on the prowl for his prey, so we ask you to keep him out of here. We also pray for all the churches in Tallahassee as they gather today. I read earlier that Celebration Baptist Church celebrates their 40th anniversary today, so we thank you for that. Thank you for them. We celebrate with them, and we ask that the churches of our city will be, city will be found faithful today as we proclaim the good news of the gospel. For those in our church family who are hurting today, who are sick who have great concerns upon their life, Lord, I ask you be with them, that they experience your peace today, and that Easter, and their Easter story, will be one of a certain hope that you are a God who delivers on your promises that you will be with your people, and that we can never come out of the grip of our shepherd's hand. We thank you for that, and we thank you that it's true. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we're gonna start today in Matthew, the book of Matthew, and this is the Easter story of the guards. I've never actually preached about the guards of the empty tomb in my life. I haven't even read very much about them. And as I was planning out this series called My Easter Story, uh, three of the four were really positive. People were responding to Jesus, being excited, you know, maybe having their minds changed about who Jesus was. But this story of the guards at the tomb really stuck out to me. I saw this really kind of tragedy in a story filled with so much joy. And part of the sad news for me was I also saw some of myself in the story and just some areas where God needs to grow me. And I'm guessing there'll be areas where God needs to grow you as you hear this story as well. So starting in Matthew chapter 27, we see a man named Joseph of Arimathea, and we're told in verse 58 that he approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then Pilate ordered that it be released. So Jesus actually literally died, and now he is going to be buried. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean, fine linen, and placed it in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. So he's sealing it, rolling it. Jesus is actually in there as, a, as someone who has died and has now been buried in the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there. Poor Mary, she's known as the other Mary. Facing the tomb, 
She probably was a middle child, flawed insecurity. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. So Pilate, the leader, the governor, the ruler, and they said, sir, we remember that while this deceiver, they're calling Jesus a deceiver, was still alive, because remember, he's dead. While he was still alive, he said, after three days, I will rise again. So give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples, remember, they're deceivers too. They may come steal him and tell the people he's been raised from the dead. And that last deception will be worse than the first. They're going to start some kind of, I don't know, cultic movement or something and make all this story up. I don't know why. Like I said last week at the Civic Center, I don't know why I'm going to give your life for something you know wasn't true. These Pharisees perhaps thought that. Take guards, Pilate told them. I think this is one of the funniest verses in all the Bible. Hopefully you'll see the humor in it. Go and make it as secure as you know how. It's like, good luck with that. Tighten that up as much as you possibly can in case God does something. How, how small is our view of God, y'all? I mean, that even this person here would, the same Pilate who even said that he might even be the son of God. Y'all put it in your hands. You're the ones that are going to decide this if we're going to kill him or not. I want my hands to be clean of this. Now he's like, oh yeah, make sure y'all secure it really good just in case something happens. They went and secured the tomb, as they were told, by setting a seal on the stone and placing the guards. So secure, guards on duty. And then we see this after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone, this is like, this is like such a flex, and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. Like any of us would have been, these human guards were so shaken by fear of him, they became like dead men. I mean, who wouldn't? The angel told the women, don't be afraid. It's like, yeah, easy for you to say. Because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen. He has risen. Remember earlier, the Pharisees said, he said back in the day that if he died, he was going to rise again in three days. I love this details included. For he is risen just as he said. So come and see the place where he lay. We'll show you right now. It's empty. Then go quickly, because we have a mission now. Tell his disciples he's the exact one he claimed to be. He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going to head you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they were on their way, and here's the guards, and here's their Easter story. Some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And after the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan... They gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, 
here's our plan. Here's how we're going to handle this. His disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If, but I thought the, the tomb was so secure and your best guards were there and there's no way he was going to get out, they were going to steal him. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. We got your back. We're going to cover this up. They took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among Jewish people to this day. What a tragic Easter story. It says in verse 11, they ran back and reported what happened. Well, what happened? What was their report? Earthquake, angels, empty tomb. Jesus alive as he had predicted. I mean, talk about earth shattering and altering news. What happens in verse 12 and 13? They're saying in verse chapter 28, this cannot get out. If this gets out, it means they were right. And it means that this man was crucified unjustly. And there might be some movement that starts that spreads this news all around the world and we're going to lose our power and our influence. So we're not ultimate if he rose from the grave. If he rose from the grave, it means our sins actually are forgiven. He was raised for our justification. That the work he set out to accomplish actually was fulfilled to die a death that we deserved, to die in our place, to forgive sinners and reconcile us to God. And here's what's amazing to me about their Easter story, these guards. They know it's true. They know. If anyone knows, they know. Earthquake, angels, that's not my conversion experience. I didn't see an earthquake and come to faith in Christ. My story is, sitting right over here, her name's Karen Knox. She told me I was a sinner who needed a savior and his name was Jesus. And I was stubborn and thankfully she's real stubborn and we went to it. <laughs> I was 13 years old. An earthquake and an angel probably would have made it a lot easier. But their fear of God, we're told they were scared like dead men. Their fear of God shifted to a fear of man. I mean, the verse says the guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. But the truth is these guards could have been executed, different world, different time, for falling asleep on the job. Now you get fired. Back then you risked, you risked actual losing your life. So they give them money. I, I, I saw everything that took place. Like, I, I don't know all the answers. I don't have this great theology. I'm a guard. I'm, I'm not a Christian. Uh, this Jesus guy, I heard about him. I obviously saw him. I was there. And then he rose from the grave, and there was angels and earthquakes, and I, I can't believe this. Well, here's some money. What do they call it? Hush money? Here's some money. It's easy to go, wow, you would see this for yourself? and actually sell out to it for some money? But I wonder for us, how often do we do the same? It might not be money, it might not be your example, but how many times do we believe the scriptures to be true? Can articulate the good news of the gospel? Believe in what we celebrated last Sunday that Jesus rose from the grave and go, I'll take this instead. There's undeniable belief, but refusing to accept it. Also, Rome wanted to save face. Their appearance in the moment was more important than the truth. 
They come back and tell you. So they knew as well. The guards come back and they report what happened. So the leaders hear this and go, oh man, we got to cover this up really quick. Like we have to deal with this now before it gets out. It's like, wait a second, you were just told it's all actually true. And the entire storyline of the Bible, all the New Testament fit together and proclaim him. He is the Messiah, but they believed there was more to be gained by disobeying God than there was to be gained by obeying him. And it's not unique to the human condition. In fact, it's all of our stories apart from Christ. Romans chapter one, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. You know, they knew him to be true. They did not worship him. Instead, there's a change, there's a contrast. Their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They had a plan, these guards and the leaders. They became fools. So what does that lead to? A worship exchange. Rather than, God, I'm going to worship you, I'm going to worship your stuff instead, I'm going to worship me instead, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. You might say, well, we're more sophisticated than that today. Well, we do the exact same thing. They might not be statues. We exchange it for status, popularity, feelings, thrills. The guard's Easter story is a tragedy. I mean, rather than worship the risen Christ, they worship something else instead. Romans 125 says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worship and serve what was created instead of the creator. It really is one or the other. He's the one who was praised forever. Amen. And I told you earlier, when I read this story of the guards, I couldn't help but think of myself. I mean, how many times do I know the truth of the scriptures? Like, I know what the Bible says. I believe it, but I refuse to follow it. In my stubbornness, in my desire for approval, and my wanting to live in some certain moment, in my insecurities, in my belief there's more to be gained by disobeying God than there's to be gained by obeying him, and my false belief I gotta go around God rather than to him for what I'm looking for. So what does that mean for me and what does it mean for you? It's a daily battle to actually say, okay, what is my Easter story? In 2 Corinthians 5 it says that he died so that those who live, meaning us right now, no longer live for ourselves but for him who died and rose again. It's a daily battle, not for me to believe that intellectually. I affirm Easter Sunday and every word of this Bible without a shadow of it out. But to actually not just believe it here, but to believe it here, in my heart where it leads to life and it leads to actually celebrating Easter, not just acknowledging it. How many people know the truth yet refuse to follow? I mean, this is Tallahassee. But it also can be you and me. Majority of people in our community, they fill out a survey. They're not atheists. They're not agnostics. They're not of another religion outside of Christianity. And they're not a member of one of the world's large religions. Of course, we have that in our city. But it's nowhere near the majority. You say, what about campus? Campus is different, obviously, our campuses here in town, but still, if you look at data, the majority of students at our colleges and universities in Tallahassee do not believe themselves, do not claim to be atheists or agnostics or of another world religion. Rather, they're people who figuratively understand what happened at the tomb but refuse to acknowledge it with their lives. 
See, last week was Easter. People acknowledged something that altered history. The very event that created the Christian faith. These guards saw that, and what did they go into? Damage control, fear of man, self-preservation. I have conversations a lot with folks who, who, who really believe, just in just kind of dialogue, that the main reason in our community that people refuse to follow Jesus is not for intellectual reasons. There's some of that, of course. But because they're afraid of what it's going to mean for their lives. Like they know that it means things are going to have to change. I mean, this is the person who, and again, I'm, they always say if you preach from your weaknesses, you'll never run out of materials. So that's kind of my strategy here. So when I preach to our congregation, please always know I preach to myself first. These are people who believe the Bible is the word of God, but don't read it. Believe God answers prayer and wants his people to pray, but don't actually pray. Believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, yet never actually tells anyone about him. These are people who maybe believe that we should be generous towards our local church, and the Bible commands that and instructs that and encourages that, but we're not. Maybe certain social issues of the Bible is very, very clear, and you know it to be true and know it to be accurate, yet for whatever reason, you cave because of fear of man. What folks might think of you. What would it look like if we actually responded in faithfulness daily to what we already know to be true? We also see in verse 14 and 15, this is bigger than any authority. That this story cannot be stopped. In verses 14 and 15, we see this. If this reaches the governor's ears, he will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed, and the story's been told for years. If Jesus is alive, it doesn't ultimately matter if your political or social status is safe. It matters whether your status with God is safe. Let me say that again. If Jesus is alive which we acknowledged last week and hopefully acknowledge every week, it doesn't ultimately matter if your political or social status is safe. Who cares? That's temporary. It has an expiration date. It matters whether your status with God is safe. And how do you know if your status with God is safe? What do you believe to be true about Jesus? He was not sent here to teach us moral lessons, even though he did that. He was not sent here to be a social revolutionary, even though he was that. He said he first came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came here on a mission to die. To die for us, to show us God's love ultimately, that God won't punish us as our sins deserve, but that he'll punish his innocent, never sinned son himself as a sacrifice and rise him from the grave three days later. The Easter story is the story of us understanding once and for all the love of God and his mission accomplished for God's people. But these guards here are trading earthly security for eternal security. Please know that that is a tragic trade. A tragic trade. And it doesn't have to be that way. I think we see the story of God's grace for the guards and the fact that they had an opportunity and here they were, the ones who were sealing the tomb so tight so he couldn't get out if they tried to steal the body. 
who for sure were not in on this in terms of believing it to be true. They probably saw him as some sort of tragic figure. At the best, we feel bad for him. At worst, we think he got what he deserved because he proclaimed that he was king of the Jews. But here God appears to them through earthquakes and angels to show them that Jesus actually is the one. And what do they say? How do I make sure that I'm okay? Well, the way you make sure you're okay is not based on your status with the world, but on your status with God. And those who know Jesus, who are convinced Christians in this room, I think we need to regularly evaluate our lives to make sure that we're not functionally acting like the guards in the moment. With our views, with our responses, with our lifestyles. We know the tomb is empty. We believe it. We believe the Bible is the word of God. We believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In other words, we can check the boxes of orthodoxy and get the right doctrine and get the right theology and know the Bible stories. But does it transform how we think, how we live, how we respond, our relationships our marriages, our friendships, our dating lives, like does what we believe to be true about this impact what happens when we walk out of this door? Are we in self-preservation mode then? Are we saving face, trying to keep up? Or are we rejoicing in the fact that we don't have to worry about that stuff anymore? Because Jesus is the one who's taking care of that for us. Know that if you're a Christian that the judgment for your sins has already been taken care of. It's already been taken care of. You don't have to fear that. There's no condemnation, we're told in the scriptures, for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. Let's live that way. I wish this could have been the guard story. And maybe it was later. John 8, verse 32. Let's put that on the screen. John 8, verse 32. You will, maybe not, you will, hey, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. These guards in their Easter story knew the truth, but rather than it setting them free, it put them in more bondage, in more brokenness, in more sin, when it was sitting right in front of them. They could know the truth, that Jesus was alive. And that truth could have set them free. Free from what? From sin, from death, from the consequences of sin. Set them free from wondering if God loves them, if they measure up enough, if God forgives the, the faults they've had, if God removes the guilt and the shame and all the things that weigh people down. All those things are taken care of in Christ. So those of you who know the truth, please know that the truth sets you free from all of those things. Now will we live in it? Will we free ourselves from all the things that keep us from actually believing those things? That's their Easter story. The other three are really, the other things we're gonna cover in the next three weeks are, are, are pretty neat stories. Uh, people coming to faith, people going on mission of their lives being radically changed by Easter and there's another side of the story. And those, and those are the ones that get dressed up and these guards probably had on their pastel uniforms. 
Nana sent them a hand plate to go when they had to go work and report to duty. They probably would have known some of the right answers to certain things, just from conversations. And they got to do something that we did not get to physically do. They got to actually see the events of the empty tomb that we believe by faith. So they saw it with their own eyes and rejected it. We saw last week at the Civic Center, 12 people who saw a resurrected Jesus. They saw it with their own eyes as well. Not the earthquake scene, they saw him risen and it radically changed their lives. Will that be true of us? Will that be true of us? What is your Easter story? What is my Easter story? Well, my Easter story is one of new life. So I believe these things to be true about Jesus Christ, that I know that I am forgiven of my sins. I'm not perfect, but in God's eyes, he sees me not as someone who has sinned, but as someone who's been forgiven, who's been pardoned, who's been given his righteousness and his goodness, not of my own, I fail miserably, but I possess his. My Easter story is one of actually believing these things to be true. That on my own, I had no hope. Like my life, I could stand before God and give an account for my life and think he'd be okay with it? Well, I've sinned before. And God, if he's a holy God, will not let sin go unpunished. But thankfully, our loving God did not punish us as our sins deserve. But Jesus was punished in our place. Died, was buried, because the wages of sin is death. Died and was buried and rose from the grave three days later which means we can trust him to be that ultimate sacrifice. And we can have joy leaving here today, even no matter what's going on in your life. Doesn't mean you're always happy, but you can have joy knowing that what Jesus set out to accomplish for you and for God's glory, most importantly, he has accomplished. How can we ever be the same again? I don't want to be those guards. Too often I am. I want to be someone so convinced of the secure salvation that I possess that I wake up every day in God's new mercies, ready to serve the one who came and gave his life for me. Let's pray together. And if you're getting baptized, when the band comes out to play, you can head on back and get ready. I'm gonna get changed myself and it's gonna be an awesome afternoon. Let's pray together. Our God, we are so thankful uh, for the good news of the empty tomb, that Jesus is alive. And I ask that that Easter story drive us every single day. Ask for those in this room, maybe who are just thinking about it, who are comprehending it, who maybe believe this stuff but aren't sure what to do with it. Do they have good conversations today? Lord, I ask you to take away our stubbornness and our desire to always be right and just the things that we deal with as humans. Lord, I ask you to just take those things away and allow us to see that if we're right with you, the rest of the stuff doesn't really matter. So let us care about what the Bible says. Let us care about our doctrine and our theology because we want to love you rightly and love you more and let that belief and what we know to be true about the Bible first point is the fact that we can only love you because you first loved us you're the initiator you're the one who acted you're the one who came to rescue the people for yourself and we count ourselves grateful to be counted among that for those who don't know you Lord I ask that you open their eyes not to religion but to Christ they'll come to know you, be a part of the local church, grow in their faith, and see what it means to celebrate Easter every single day. Allow our Easter, our Easter stories to be one about Jesus and not ourselves. 
We're thankful for all of us in the name of Christ, and we are grateful to celebrate baptisms today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing some good news.